0: This podcast is sponsored by Low No Drinker magazine, created to help you live a life less intoxicated, whether that's for a night, a week, a month, or a lifetime. Hello, and welcome to my brand new Sober Rebel podcast with me, Louisa Evans, the show that demonstrates that sober is most definitely not boring. Each episode, I talk to my amazing sober guests about the ways in which their lives have improved and changed for the better in sobriety. So, whether you're sober curious, in the early stages of sobriety, or even further down the line and wanting a bit of inspiration and entertainment from some amazing people, then stick around. And today, I am so excited to be talking to the wonderful, the enigmatic, the beautiful Leah who I've been following on Instagram for quite a while now. Just to begin with, introduce yourself to the listeners. Who are you? What do you do? And how long have you been sober?
1: I am Leah. I have been sober for three years, just over three years now. And what I do is I am a head of innovation for an electric vehicle company.
0: I love it. So you've been sober three years. Mm-hmm. You actually went sober In lockdown, at the start of lockdown?
1: Yeah, the 18th of July was my freedom date. And what was the
0: thing that kicked that off? Was there something that happened?
1: Yeah, there was a Catalyst event that was really, really harrowing. So I became aware that something had happened to me 10 months after the event. And that for me was enough to say, this isn't normal. This isn't okay. This is not what I'm comfortable with not being in control of my own body. And I thought back over how many times have I blacked out?
0: Yeah.
1: Drinking? How many times have I not remembered going to bed? And how many times have I put myself in danger? And I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm. So on midnight of the 17th of July, 2020, I said, I am never drinking again.
0: That um, is I- amazing. And you meant it. And so how did you go about going sober?
1: There are some quizzes that you can do on the NHS website which say, are you a problem drinker? Is there issues with your drinking? I did all of them and it came out as probable dependence. And I answered them very lightly. I definitely downplayed my drinking uh, to them, as everyone does, I'm sure. Yeah, Uh, nobody's
0: honest about their drinking.
1: No, because I was really ashamed of it. And it was really hard for me to come to terms with the fact that hmm, maybe I maybe I do actually have a problem. I know that that's hard. Yeah, once I, I did those quizzes, there were two and they both came out. You know, you should probably speak to somebody. You should probably seek some help for this. So I contacted my GP and I was very fortunate to be referred to a dependency unit locally in Hampshire who assigned me a sponsor. There were weekly drop-ins of, via Zoom or Teams. I can't remember now which one they were, but yeah, my sponsor would ring me twice a week. Then it went down to once a week, then once every two weeks, then once a month. And then when I was, I think I was maybe about 14 or 15 months sober, but we made the decision not to have regular meetings anymore because I didn't feel that I needed it. I felt very strong and I still do to this day feel very strong in my sobriety.
0: You are incredibly strong in your sobriety, aren't you? You're just. A beacon of sobriety. I look at your Instagram, which is how we met, and it's always like, you're out partying, you're out dancing, yeah. you're out, because you're only young, you're 30. 33. 30. Actually, I know a lot of people hit their 40s and they start going, Well, I've got to do something about this. The kids are getting older, or I've had kids now, or whatever it is that life changes or jobs change. And then you have this stark reality that you need to stop drinking. But for you to have done that so young, that's really admirable because presumably all your friends drink around you and it's a different world. You're single, you're dating. You're in the life that I drank more in.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I think maybe I drank enough in my 20s.
0: <laughs> so you drank your share in your 20s. You don't need to do it now.
1: I, I think so. I um, I was in active addiction for 12 years, so I've clocked a lot of... Fairly harrowing behavior and things that I do not want to repeat, and a life that I don't want to lead anymore. I can't imagine ever living like that again.
0: And what's life like now?
1: It's completely unrecognizable. It's like nothing I have ever experienced. I wake up, and of course, there are highs and lows. That's part of life. But I feel equipped to deal with everything. I don't really question anything anymore I go with the ebb and flow of my life if things happen that aren't as positive that's part of life too and I have a lot of gratitude to myself to be honest I have a lot of gratitude to myself I I drag myself through fire to get here and I am proud every single day so yeah life is very very different when I look at things that I do and hobbies that I have and I celebrate my year milestones by climbing a mountain every year.
0: Brilliant. So
1: and I I like the sort of metaphorical aspect of one step at a time to get to the top of a peak to reach a summit which to me is parallel to one step at a time with clocking your days your months and then to the point where I'm at where I'm I'm counting the years now. Yeah,
0: it's phenomenal 3 years 1 month to the day. Yes, <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. And in those early days, you are counting the days. You count. I was yeah. counting the hours. I think in those first. Oh
1: yeah, weeks. I downloaded all of the apps that count days, hours, minutes, seconds, and they also count the money that you save. Yeah. You have to be very honest and say how much you were spending on alcohol per week or per day, or how that sort of filters down. When it was hard, I'd look at those and say like, right, okay, just get just get to the next hour. And for me now, my days are in four digits. And if I ever had to reset that, I couldn't deal with the hassle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a technological thing now. You don't actually have to want to go back and do it.
1: I can't do it. I can't go back to zero. Not when I've got four digits. If I'm being completely honest, (laughs) I'm in the very rare, very smug 2% that got clean and got sober the first time. I've never relapsed since I went into a programme. I'm incredibly proud of that. I feel very strong in my sobriety. I don't feel that I've encountered that much that has shaken it to the point of, I think I'm actually going to fall off the wagon. Whether that's because I'm unbelievably stubborn Equally, as I'm sure we'll touch on at some point, I have a past history with addiction within my family. So I've seen it. And that kind of makes you think twice about falling off the wagon when you've seen that happen to someone else. It's not pretty. It's not it's not nice. Probably the worst way to go, if I'm totally honest, it, watching someone become a, a human corpse and six months later slip away completely. It was my father, my dad. Um. Yeah, oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Honestly, It's it was six years ago. I have come to terms with it. I've had a lot of additional counselling and bereavement therapy off the back of that, only since getting sober. Because uh, when you get sober and you're like, oh, cool, I've got amazing amounts of feelings. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't processed anything for 12 years. Super. Watching him go through that. And also for the last, I think, perhaps two and a half minimum years of his life he wasn't the man who raised me I was 26 when he passed he was 46 and seeing that I know for a fact that that is not what I want my life to look like
0: oh god I'm so sorry that is so young
1: so young for you
0: and so young for him
1: yeah yeah it was devastating
0: so what was Leah the drinker like
1: I modeled myself as the party girl it was my whole identity Leah was the life and soul of the party party didn't start until I arrived I was always the last one going at the end of the night if somebody was like let's go and do this I was I was like yeah I'm a yes person I I say yes to everything but I was saying yes to the same thing over and over again yeah um And saying yes to things that essentially were killing me. You know, the amount of alcohol, of hangovers, of drugs. Oh my God, just horrid, 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 horrid. If anyone ever tried to talk to me about my drinking, I was like, "Mm, no, shut down. I don't have a problem. You know, I'm holding down a really good job. I don't drink on a Monday night. I don't do this. I don't do that. You know, just over three years ago, I took a really, really critical look at my drinking habit. Uh, you know getting blackout drunk was the norm for me and it really really shouldn't be and i think i had this perception in my head of what an alcoholic looked like because i'd seen it with my dad because of the taboo because of the stigma around alcoholism i sort of said well no i'm not because i'm not homeless and drinking white lightning at 9 a.m. on a monday morning but it's, it doesn't always look like that. It looks like your friends that can't go out without getting blackout drunk. It looks like the party girl who's always got a glass of Prosecco in her hand.
0: Well, Prosecco's is really strange thing. I was actually thinking that this morning. Prosecco is one of those drinks that hasn't been around that long.
1: Yeah. And it's become so glamorised. Yeah. It has got like the status, almost the normal version of champagne. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, It's Thursday afternoon and you had a really good day at work. Have a glass of Prosecco. Have have this, have that. We're celebrating. Let's have a glass of Prosecco. Things like your bottomless brunches where there's endless bottles of it being fed to people with very little food for a set price. Mm -hmm. And again, it's, it's made completely normal. It's like, oh, this is a fun thing to do.
0: And that's that's the thing I, I've noticed more than anything since stopping drinking and stepping the other side of it. Mm. I think, how normalized is this? This is so ridiculous. And as a mum myself, mm. the mummy wine culture is another level again. So you you're in the kind of the young, free single, go out, have a good time. And it's labeled as being this thing that you do to have a good time. And I'm sort of in the phase of well, you need to cope. It's stressful. The kids are playing you up. Have a glass of wine because yeah. that's going to help. And
1: even down to like, like apparel and clothing, you can buy endless things that say like mummy wine club. I saw a gym bag a long time ago now, but it said gym and tonic. Like, yeah. Are we really linking those two things together?
0: Oh, I can like- beat that. My gym actually had a Thirsty Thursday advert <laughs> for drinks down the local pub no <laughs> which i laughed at rolled my eyes and you know if you get upset by these things but it is so ridiculous how it's intertwined in fitness yeah. in yeah mum in not being a mum in being single in being married in being older in being younger it just it doesn't matter yeah. where you are in your life
1: to the absolute bare bones of it ethanol is a poison yeah and it has ungodly amounts of sugar added to it and additives and ingredients and this and that just to make it tolerable but the the crux of it is that ethanol is a poison there's a reason when you have a hangover because you've drank too much that you're sick it is a poison that your body needs to get rid of it's something that hasn't stopped shocking me how glamorized it is i do see Since being sober, I see a lot more sobriety in the public. I see a lot more sobriety being normalised, which I'm so thrilled about. Yeah, One of my really close friends, she's only 20 and she already knows that drinking is not going to be a part of her life. And it's so encouraging as someone who is very passionate about sobriety, as someone who would love to see... The deglamorization, the destigmatization of sobriety and of, like the deglamorization of alcohol. It's really, really heartwarming, really encouraging. I, I, I love, love, love
0: that. that. That is absolutely amazing. My daughter, who's 12, has already told me she doesn't want to drink alcohol. oh but, I love
1: it.
0: You know, and I mean, she might change her mind, and I'm not going to lay rules down. I mean, that's one way to fall out with somebody, isn't it? We were driving past a pub the other day and we were just parked in traffic and there were some people outside drinking. And she just said, mum, it's bonkers really, isn't it? They're sat there drinking a poison Mm -hmm. and calling it fun, but none of them look happy, she said.
1: I read something at the start of my sobriety that has stuck with me and it's called the three drink rule. When you go to a pub, when you go out with your friends and people are drinking around you, from drink zero to drink three it looks quite appealing people sort of start to relax a little they sort of tell them they're laughing they're having a really good time and um, everyone seems quite happy after the third drink it doesn't look appealing anymore and it suddenly becomes very unappealing when you look at people and they're slurring their words a little bit And they're telling the same story and they're laughing, but it's a bit too loud. And they've got that slightly glazed expression. In my head, I would think, well, that happens when people get really drunk. It doesn't. It happens at the end of the third drink and you see it like that. It happens immediately and it looks horrid. And when I first got sober, I would feel quite envious of people when they were drinking Right up until that point, and I thought, ooh, actually, I don't like the look of that at all. Yeah. Drunk people are terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, once it goes past there, a certain point, you just want to leave.
1: two ways about it. People think there are fun drunks. There are not. They are all terrible.
0: <laughs> I used to think I was a fun drunk. I don't think <laughs> I was. I think I was usually just asleep.
1: There's so much different about me now I said recently that my life now doesn't resemble anything of my old life and that's the most fucking marvelous thing (laughs) and so I'm genuinely so happy that my life today it's not even recognizable
0: but that leads us so nicely to what I asked you to come on and talk about which is your top three things that you you found have improved or that you've done differently or you feel differently about in sobriety compared to as a drinker or somebody in active addiction?
1: I think the most important thing for me and the thing that I have found the most life-changing about sobriety was falling in love with myself and
0: Oh, that's I'm so, so sweet.
1: I'm sure to a lot of people that sounds really cringy. To that, I say, let then cringe. I think let them cringe. If I'm the most cringy thing on the internet, then fantastic. I'm sure um, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> the majority of my drinking was to build my self-confidence, to build my self-esteem. And drunk Leah took on her own personality and she was like a separate entity to me. That was the person that that I seemed to show to everybody and the person that I was at home. Um, I'm going to get, I'm going to get really emotional. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry. She's I, um, like an
0: alter ego.
1: Yeah. I think it, she was, um, she was covering up all of the dark and twisty parts of me. And I was really, really lonely and I didn't like myself. I didn't like being on my own. I found hangovers, absolutely harrowing because i would have to be alone for them so i would go out drinking and i would get blackout drunk because i don't have an off switch i've searched everywhere for one and it doesn't exist (laughs) and like gestures wildly to entire body like it's not there
0: so uh, yeah i don't have one either
1: (laughs) um i'd wake up the next day and i'd be One, feeling terrible because I was so hungover. Alcohol was definitely my problem. It was definitely a gateway to other things. I would get drunk and then take a lot of drugs, which the detrimental effects of aforementioned drugs, like mentally, about two days later, I would have a a subsequent slump in mental health, which when you're drinking almost every day, is really difficult to cope with I didn't know how else to fix it all I kept doing was well if I just go out again then maybe I'll feel better or maybe if I get some validation from someone but I'm not confident enough to go and seek validation I'm not confident enough to go out on dates or to have a relationship. I need alcohol to be able to do those things. I need it. It's a vital part of who I am. When I stopped, it was trying to rebuild all of that and work out where my real personality ended and where the alcohol started.
0: Um, Yeah, it gets muddy, doesn't it? It's a really sort of fuzzy line.
1: Very, very much so. And, you know, it it kind of circles back to what we were saying about how society glamorises it. So you're always encouraged to have a drink. Have you had a bad day? Have a drink. Have you had a good day? Have a drink. Are you celebrating? Have a drink. Are you commiserating? Have a drink. Is it a Thursday? Have a drink. It's the weekend. You may as well have a drink. And because it became so paramount and fundamental in my life, I had no idea who I was without it. No idea at all. And I did things and I said things and I, acted in ways that I have no idea who that person was. I have no idea why those decisions were made. And now, as a sober person, I would never, ever make those decisions in a million years. Through a lot of counselling and therapy and a lot of self-discovery and taking a really good look at my actual likes and dislikes, like things I actually do enjoy in every aspect of my life, in my hobbies, in my aesthetic, in even like, you know, in dating and in sex, like my alcoholic side. And I have no issue saying that I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. I have no issue with that at all. I know some people don't like it and they don't want to label themselves. It doesn't bother me in the slightest because I know Mm. that I'm not her. But I have no issue with identifying that way. And that's not to say that everyone should. This is the most personal journey that anyone can make when it's tackling these sort of demons, particularly in today's society.
0: It only matters to you how you label yourself. If it's going to spur you forward, if it's going to keep you sober, then do it, whatever works.
1: Getting sober is about 10% giving up drinking. And 90% emotional work on yourself. Yeah. And through the emotional work, which is messy, and there's lots of tears, and there's so much emotion to go through. For me, it was 12 years of repressed emotion, of really harrowing things that had happened to me that I had not dealt with in the slightest. The day that I got the call about my dad, my best friend was with me. We had got on holiday that day. And she said, what do you need? From me, What do you need me to do? And I said, I need oblivion. I cannot feel this right now. So she went and got me three shots of tequila from the bar. I don't, I do not fault her for that. That's exactly what I needed at the time. Yeah. Um, and I essentially from that point kept drinking until I stopped drinking and had to suddenly deal with the fact that I jokingly refer to myself as a half orphan. My mum is more than enough parent for two. She's amazing I couldn't have done any of this without her. Um, Yeah, I love her so much.
0: (laughs) Um, It's so important, isn't it, to have that support system?
1: And she, I feel there's a part of me that always felt a little bit guilty. And I think another one of the reasons that it's been not easy for me, because it's not been easy for me to to stay sober. I've dragged myself through hell to get here. But my mum's already lost her husband to alcoholism. I really don't want her to lose one of her children to it as well.
0: That's a powerful motivator, isn't it? That really is, does keep you grounded. It's heartbreaking about your dad. It really is. And well done <laughs> you for, for doing something differently.
1: I wish that I had done it sooner. I often think I wonder who I would be now, especially, you know, as, you know, on this journey of of self-discovery, of self-love, of, of being finally really comfortable with the person that I am I've you know I stopped criticizing myself I stopped berating myself I don't use unkind words to myself anymore I'm so would I speak to my best friend this way no then I'm not going to speak to myself that way I feel very confident that alcohol is no longer something that serves me or will ever serve me again because the reasons that I drank. I don't need it for that anymore. I don't need self-esteem from a bottle or self-confidence from a bottle or a baggie or whatever or a pill. I don't, you know, I I look in the mirror and I really like who I am. I really like my personality.
0: And Um, it's such an underrated thing, isn't it? Actually liking yourself.
1: Oh, my God. And the opportunity to spend time with myself. Oh, my God, I love it. I'm like, oh, sorry, guys, I actually can't see you on this day because I need to just hang out with myself. I love it. My 30th birthday was an absolute train wreck. I ruined it for everyone and myself. Yeah, I had a full-scale breakdown. So, yeah, two weeks later, uh, I said, I'm never going to drink again. And I didn't. And you meant it. (laughs) I did. I was stubborn little mule.
0: (laughs) Do you not think that that's what's needed sometimes is the being stubborn? Because I'm stubborn. Mm. My my husband's gone sober with me and here I am doing soul searching and, you know, all because that's just who I am and listening to audio books and reading things and learning things and setting up podcasts and doing all this kind of stuff and being on sober Instagram. And he's just got nope, not drinking. Yeah. And that's it. And he hasn't done anything else. And we have lots of conversations about sobriety or about alcohol. And he just looks at me and goes, I don't really think about it. Wow! And he was just as heavy a drinker, if not more so on some levels, ex-rugby player. Yeah, I think that was the half the issue when we got together was we both like to drink. Uh, You know, somebody had chipped up sober on my doorstep. I'm really ashamed to say I wouldn't have looked twice at them because I was not ready.
1: I I totally hear that. I I used to be really clever with my drinking and I used to plan people to minimum two weeks in ahead. So I would go through my diary and see who I hadn't seen for a while, would book them in so that I didn't see them too frequently and they wouldn't notice that I was drinking. But all of my friends were drinking friends. Um, So you could
0: um, have like that blowout and make out it was once in a blue moon when actually it was really regularly?
1: It was three, minimum three times a week, minimum. Mm. If not four, towards the end, maybe four or five times a week.
0: But you said you were having nights off as well.
1: Yeah. So I would do sort of Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, without fail. Uh Sunday, I would just be a shell of a, of a human in bed or throwing up all day. And then so Sunday I would tend to just be alone and I wouldn't drink I'd never drank alone but I think again that was because I created this persona of Leah the party girl Leah the drunk party girl
0: <laughs> and it was almost like you were living up to that persona wasn't it you you bought into it as well
1: oh absolutely 100 percent. yeah definitely so now you
0: love yourself which is just I <laughs> just the best thing
1: Like the difference between being confident and being cocky. Yeah. Um, The way I see it, your opinion of me is none of my business. And that's how I try to approach most things in my life. Have you always been
0: like that, or were you quite sensitive to other people's opinions? I
1: was sensitive. I had real issues with rejection. Which I think was one of the reasons I didn't really put myself out there very much. I wouldn't go after promotions. I wouldn't seek out relationships um, more than sort of a one night or two night thing because I couldn't stand the re- the possibility of rejection because my self-esteem was already so low and I cared so much about what other people thought. And mm. I, I would seek out so much validation
0: And it's almost like you're so easy to topple at that point. And I'm talking of somebody now in my 20s who is exactly the same, probably into my 30s, Yeah. in that you can be so easy to topple when your self-esteem and your self-confidence are low. And I did a lot of work on myself through my 30s, but come my 40s and when I stopped drinking, which is reasonably recent, really, but that's when it's ramped up another level. I thought I was confident. I thought I had self-esteem. And then you stop drinking and you go, no, that that no, that was nothing. You wait, and it's just absolutely amazing. So, self love then is your first.
1: Yes. Um, point.
0: What What is your second thing you want to talk about with sobriety and and what it's brought to you?
1: So, my second thing that I wanted to talk to you about was the fun and exciting new ways that I have found to get my happy hormones my serotonin and my dopamine dopamine is an interesting one having done some addiction-based therapy and having looked into that kind of thing there's quite a nice analogy that i like which is that in the sort of addict particularly the alcoholic or alcohol dependent brain your dopamine receptors you have the motorway ones which are the alcohol ones So it's a straight line, really easy to get to your dopamine, quick hits of dopamine through the use of alcohol. And other routes are more like the country, windy, bendy roads that are more difficult to traverse and therefore you don't use them as much. And then suddenly you take alcohol out of the equation and you find that that motorway, the easiest way to get your dopamine is gone. And what do I do to find my happiness? What do I do to kick off those happy hormones in my brain? And how do I do that? So it was a learning curve. As a lot of sobriety is, there was a lot of learning (laughs) in it. Lots of trial and error.
0: (laughs) So what did you find then that brought you that dopamine? So you need to make those little windy country roads now, a new motorway almost, don't you?
1: I go out hiking. I get out into nature as much as possible. I have my little sidekick Hector, who's my little working cocker spaniel. If anybody ever needs an excuse to go out and exercise more, get a working cocker spaniel. <laughs> oh, they
0: need a lot of walking. They really we, do.
1: We can quite easily do eight or nine miles oh, without... Wow. Without him getting tired, um, it does. If I go over ten miles, it means I'll have a nice quiet afternoon because he'll sleep through most of it. <laughs> We're lucky enough to be near the New Forest, so we can go there quite a lot. There's lots of different routes that we do. I like anything that involves some water. So if there's some sort of stream, there's some water I can touch, or you know, I like to get out and touch a few trees or leaves or something. Just something that is real getting out in nature is my big thing yeah one of the other things that uh, I have taken to doing is with the great British weather the way that it is um when it's absolutely chucking it down I will go and I, I do regularly go to the gym and lift weights one of my closest friends Amy is also sober we met through Instagram Hey. so there was a guy that we both know who's another sort of sober person in Southsea and he put a comment on one of my posts tagged her and said finally uh and like another another woman or another female or whatever and sh- she messaged me was like oh my god I've been waiting so long to have a female sober friend <laughs> okay cool we met at the start of the year and we've been almost inseparable since so, oh that's lovely um, yeah she and she is an absolutely divine human, and I am in full support of her. She coins the phrase "drop the bottle, raise the bar."
0: Oh, I love it!
1: Yeah. Oh, let's get
0: um, t-shirts with that printed on.
1: Absolutely right. Uh, like gym t-shirts, I would, re- I'd be really into that. She's taught me a lot about weightlifting. We go a couple of times a week to lift weights together. She's now training as a PT because she's so passionate about it.
0: That's opened up for her through sobriety. Yeah. Isn't it amazing, yeah. the doors that open up? Incredible. I never Absolutely would have thought incredible. of doing that. You know? Yeah,
1: it's a very quick way to get lots of endorphins. I really enjoy it. I feel really strong because I solo hike quite a lot. I'm now strong enough that I could protect myself. And well also Hector, also the dog, Hector, because he's the light of my life.
0: Yeah, you've got to protect the dog. The dog's not there he's, to protect he's you. He's the
1: most important. Oh, God, yeah, he's a spaniel. <laughs>
0: He'd just he'd, go and kiss them. He'd
1: sell me for a, a spoonful of peanut butter. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm strong enough now that I could protect both of us. I know it's it's common sense and we all know it, but exercise makes people happier.
0: And it does. And when you're drinking, you don't it's feel like exercising?
1: Time. Never. The only exercise I did when I was drinking was dancing, usually on tables, drunk. Honey, I was the epitome of class. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't think I've ever danced. I don't think I could get up on a table now. I'm too old. <laughs> I'd still give it a shot though, sober, just to prove you still can do it.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would still dance on a table sober. i still dance like a lunatic just wouldn't down. fall off. <laughs> I just don't fall over. Or, or walking to bars. Those, those are the only things I would do, the only exercise I would do when I was drinking. Since stopping, I actually, I like having a really strong body.
0: It's really and... strange, isn't it? I'm exactly the same and... I would never have said at any point, well, I want to be strong. I want to be strong. It was always, I want to be thin. I want to be smaller. Thin
1: Thin and attractive. Well, I I don't care if you find me attractive, quite frankly. I think I'm gorgeous.
0: You bloody are. You are absolutely gorgeous.
1: For what I paid for this space, I should be. (laughs) All the money I save from not drinking has gone straight in here. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, it's bloody good work, I have to um, say. It looks amazing. And,
1: uh, thank you very much. <laughs> and i I've, I feel really strong in myself. I want to have big muscles and if I, you know, I want to be able to flex my arms and have like a real but to me, like it's really sexy to have a really like muscular back, which I thought, yeah, I can't imagine like four years ago. If I'd have said that, I'd be like, what? <laughs> Disgusting people. <laughs> <you. laughs> well I know
0: there's all that talk, isn't there? We don't want women to be muscly. I'm like, do you know what? I don't care. I don't care what Again, anybody else wants
1: this is what I mean people's opinion is none of your damn business mm. if if they want to have an opinion about me then that is absolutely fine that doesn't impact me in the slightest and I think it's an awareness that it's really common for the way people feel about themselves is so often how they then speak about other people yeah yeah So people who are really hypercritical and they're really negative and they're really judgmental. And it's not a natural, automatic thought. It's something that you have to think about and and ask yourself the question, what's going on in their life that they have to be that way? Mm. What's going on for them? And that's not to say that you can't set a boundary. Boundaries are really important. Boundaries are there to facilitate relationships, not to end them yeah and i'm a firm believer in that have your boundaries set your boundaries but understanding that when people speak negatively about you it's often just a reflection of how they feel about themselves and i know that because i used to be horrid
0: i can't so believe horrid. it looking at you now
1: <laughs> honestly I, I i i love the fact that there are so many people in my life now that only know me as sober yeah um there's a a little a little handful, a little pocket of people that, that knew me before, during, and after. My best friend, Colleen, is the most patient human on the planet. She has been my best friend for, I think, either 18 or 19 years. And she has put up with some real shit from me. And she never, ever gave up on me. And she was a vital part of my support network when I first went sober. And I will forever be grateful to her. Her, my mum, and Tesco's fizzy water got me through that first
0: bit. <laughs> well done, Tesco's. Other brands are available.
1: Other br- not sponsored. Not sponsored. <laughs> they're just the only ones that do. They this don't pay me. Printer. They
0: don't get an exclusive mention.
1: <laughs> they don't.
0: <laughs> not yet, anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's one specific flavour that I like. So, and they're the only ones that do it. So I buy it a mass. Um,
0: <laughs> so that strength thing is is really. I was at the gym yesterday and I was lifting weights and I was like, I'm going to go up a level. I'm going to go up. And it is so empowering when you've spent years ignoring the niggles and pains in your body. And then all of a sudden you're pushing to Mm -hmm. see what your body can do and your body's responding. It's getting stronger. Yeah. It is such a high.
1: When I was at the gym on Wednesday, I was training legs which as a hiker my legs are very strong and a man got on the leg press after me and reduced the weight and yes it was, it was a beautiful moment <laughs> like quite a significant jump down I thought
0: brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. So that is your way you get your endorphins now, which are brilliant. Exercise and getting outside and sunshine, fresh air, walking the dog, connection to nature. Just just
1: being close to animals. That's that's the other little takeaway from that. I rescued Hector just before I got sober. I rescued him when he was seven months old. So he's been with me through my entire sobriety journey. I've had him just over four years. Hand on heart, he saved my life there oh, have been so many many afternoons or evenings or actually any time of day quite frankly that I have sat on the kitchen floor and sobbed and wailed to the sky or whatever higher power there is why me why can't I be normal because sobriety has not made me any less dramatic um, <laughs> and he's been there he's he he sits with me he he stands across my chest and does like compression massage on my chest for me when I'm really really panicking and he saved my life I rescued him but he saved my life and it's beautiful um and animals give us I think it's there's a this it's being with animals gives you serotonin one of the happy hormones feel
0: good hormones Yeah. really
1: easily triggered by being close to animals so yeah Hector
0: so that's your second plus point then. So what's yeah. your third?
1: For me, one of the biggest takeaways of sobriety is letting go of the anger towards the end of my drinking. And I I do refer to it as my drinking career, which I don't know is perhaps the best way to refer to it. But I do feel like it, I, it was a part of almost like a chore by the end, a job that I had to do. I would get very angry all the time by the end gone was the party girl gone was the fun the fun part of me and what was left was just this very angry shouty really unpleasant person to be around who would find fault with everything and was very critical of others very judgmental and yeah it's it's not nice to recognize those parts of yourself when tackling some of the emotional side of sobriety but it is really important and it's really important to look at those and look at the reasons behind that. So why was I angry? Mm. Why did I feel the way I felt about others? And it was essentially because of how I felt about myself. And I felt a huge injustice. Um, we've spoken, obviously, about my dad and, and losing my dad. And at 26, you shouldn't be burying a parent. No you know at 24 you shouldn't be ringing hospitals to try and find out where he is because you know that he's probably in a hospital somewhere because he's gone missing um you know at at 25 you shouldn't be visiting him in an in an induced coma those things shouldn't happen and mm. i felt that the, the world was being very unkind to me and that made me really angry um and i would look at people and say well look at you with your nice relationship I can't have one of those look at you with your with your parents going out to dinner I can't do that it took me a long time to come to terms with everything that had happened and why I felt the way that I felt but essentially as soon as I stopped drinking I stopped being so angry like isn't, almost, isn't almost overnight I woke up and went oh I should probably just deal with these things now rather than projecting them out onto everyone else
0: yeah I would say that I was just the way you are towards the end of my drinking. I was starting to get hard to live with.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: And what, what was happening in our marriage was we were both becoming hard to live with.
1: Do you feel that's improved now?
0: 100%. Wow. Um, we have got a really strong relationship. We've been through quite a lot. Um, yeah. And... As a married couple, I would say we've got a good marriage. But what was happening last year was that we were squabbling more. Silly, squabbly, misunderstandings, miscommunications, people huffing, that kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. not me, obviously, I'm perfect. But oh, he was
1: huffing. I hear you. I hear you, girl. <laughs>
0: um. But yeah, so we were just, obviously, it was both of us. I'm only joking. Um. But yeah, we, we were both just in a place of meh. It's just, I can't describe it. We were just... Functioning and just had a baby Going through the motions, and you know, and the stresses and strains of a baby that doesn't sleep, yeah, as well. So you were putting alcohol in that mix, and you were thinking, oh, well, I'll relax now, and and you know, so it wasn't that like we were drinking lots and lots and lots, but the little arguments, the squabbles were getting out of control, and we stopped drinking, and they went completely because <laughs> they they'd only started to appear last year, yeah, out of tiredness and exhaustion, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was a massive, massive change, but also with friendships and things.
1: It's a learning experience for everybody, but it isn't just for you and I, it's for everyone who's around us as well. And everyone who's got used to us being a certain way and used to certain behaviors, perhaps even behaviors they didn't really like, but they just tolerate. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a a ripple effect. So there's, there's things that change for you. And then there's also things that change for everybody else around you as well which is really interesting
0: how do your friends deal with it
1: um a lot of my friends initially they were very cautious people wouldn't drink around me to start with um and it was like oh don't don't drink around Leah because she might fall off the wagon and over time and where they've seen me in lots of different circumstances and scenarios they've got a lot more comfortable but to be honest, my friend's drinking has significantly reduced, partly as a result, and they'll say themselves, partly as a result of my drinking reducing. And, well, my drinking hasn't reduced because I don't drink at all anymore. My drinking's at zero, and theirs is probably significantly reduced because of that. Uh, not because they feel uncomfortable drinking around me, but because they don't feel the need to. Yeah. Drinking, drinking for me... And drinking for people who identify as having a drink problem or issues with alcohol in particular, it doesn't do, for me, what it does for people who don't have addiction problems, people who don't have that switch in their brain that yeah. says you need to do this to excess. Drinking didn't do that for me. It it was just a way to seek absolute oblivion.
0: Yeah, you just so, didn't want to feel or think or...
1: Yeah, I... Um, so I didn't I didn't actually enjoy it and now that I'm not there pushing everyone to drink because I was very pushy with with drinking there are some friends that inevitably fell away um and fell off fell off the radar for me they weren't interested and they were fair weather drinking buddies yeah my friends have all reduced their drinking i have Endless proud moments when people come to me as a result of being very public about sobriety and public about my journey and how things have improved for me. I've had quite a few people come forward and message me privately to say, I think I have a problem too. I think I need to cut down. I think I need to be sober. Is there anything you can do to help me? Can you recommend support groups? Can you recommend podcasts, books? Instagram pages, anything possible. So I have a pre-written script out in my notes section of my phone of books that I use to start with, some information about finding local support groups, some Instagram pages that I relied on really heavily. At the start, I always give them a link. I have a sobriety Spotify playlist. Do uh, you? Yes, of songs that are either tongue-in-cheek things about being sober or actually songs about being sober or songs that in my head link somehow to sobriety because at the start I'd get cravings and I'd get intense withdrawal I'd plug in my headphones take myself off for a walk and listen to that and 30 or 45 minutes later those cravings are usually gone
0: Oh, you'll have to share that that playlist with me. I'd love to listen to that.
1: There's a lot of stuff out there. I think it's important to immerse yourself in, in everything.
0: So as a single person, <laughs> let's move on to the conversation that everybody wants me to ask you about. <laughs> dating. I mean, you're young, you're beautiful. How is the dating scene sober?
1: You have to get creative. I think it's really common for the first date to be going for drinks. It's really common to need a little bit of Dutch courage before you meet somebody new, particularly if you do things like online dating and you don't really know the person. Meeting someone for the first time when you have no, (laughs) you're sober and you have nothing to sort of take the edge off can be really nerve wracking. So my advice is to get creative. Uh, know your boundaries. Always have an exit strategy. So I always drive myself to my dates because I want to be able to drive myself away from them again.
0: Yeah, that's a really <laughs> if good. If I
1: don't like it, and it, it's the same when I go to nights out. I'll never be designated driver because if I need to leave, I need to leave now. I can't yeah, there's no
0: point in staying until three in the morning when everybody's absolutely falling over.
1: I can't tell you the last time I was in bed after midnight. I feel I would actually turn into a pumpkin. It's not for me. I love my sleep. I invested in a beautiful bed and I intend to spend a lot of time in it. <laughs> <laughs> Dating is interesting I never hide the fact that I'm sober. I make sure that people know I'm sober, that they know that I'm in recovery. And I let them make the decision of whether they're comfortable or not to be going on a date or dating in general, someone who's in recovery. I've ended relationships because I felt someone's drinking was too heavy for me to be around. I have no qualms doing that. I don't think, and this is perhaps a bit of a bold statement, Until you're happy on your own, I don't think you should be dating.
0: I 100% agree. I had a long time single.
1: If you're dating to seek happiness and validation from another person that you're not getting from yourself, you will settle for something less than you deserve.
0: So it's like a mirror, isn't it? Whatever you're feeling. If you're insecure, you're going to attract somebody that's insecure. If you're angry, you're going to attract somebody that's angry. Who wants that? Whereas if you love yourself... You'll attract somebody that loves themselves and that will meet you in the middle.
1: Yeah. The dates themselves, I would say there's, there are lots and lots of different things that you can do that don't involve alcohol. You can go for a nice walk. I encourage people to go for walking dates that's quite nice Um, I obviously have a dog so I'm out walking all the time. Nice coffee shops where I live in South Sea there are lots of really cute little coffee places, places that you can get coffee, tea and cake and that's lovely so I am a big advocate of that. Often sober people really enjoy a uh, a hit of sugar
0: (laughs) We do, every now and again, not too often just once a day
1: (laughs) Um, So (laughs) So
0: In fact, um, I have to share that you did send me a picture of a donut you were going to eat <laughs> after your gym session, which yeah. this isn't a donut. This is a work of art.
1: They're incredible. Hideout Coffee in South Sea. I recommend everyone goes there and gets a donut. They have different flavors every week and they are incredible. For my, Isn't for it my...
0: amazing to get those kind of good feelings and good yeah. tastes and something from something that isn't a toxin? I mean, people probably argue with sugar. I'm not going to get onto the sugar, yeah, sugar brigade but not drinking a toxin
1: yeah
0: you know a, a little bit of a sugary donut go for it
1: once a week after my PT session I have a donut that's it those are my vices I don't drink I don't take drugs and I don't smoke I have. I have a weekly donut <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're almost saintly
1: almost almost you don't
0: want to be too perfect do you
1: well you know the halo is slipping a little can I say (laughs) but yeah yeah and know your boundaries with dating particularly when it comes to sex yeah essentially like
0: I think that's a good piece of advice sober or not when it (laughs) comes to dating yeah there's a lot of presumption yeah a lot of presumption that, that that is an automatic thing that will be jumped straight into and yeah. you might not want to, or you might. Who knows?
1: There's there's no shame in, in either one. No? If you have a three-date rule, if you don't, props to you. It's It's up to you. And as long as you're doing it for the right reasons, then it's absolutely fine.
0: And it is that thing of loving yourself, isn't it? It's having that self-respect. What would you say to somebody who was thinking about dipping their toe into the sober, curious pool? What would you say about your drinking life compared to your sober life
1: I think if you're having that internal conversation where you think that sobriety could be for you then you may already be in a position where you need to have a look at your drinking if that's if that thought's already occurring to you then perhaps you need to take a more critical look at things I would make a suggestion of trying 30 days and then 90 days. So when I first decided to try out some sobriety to dip my toe in, as it were, um, I said I would do my 30 days and I would then do my 90 days and I would see how I felt afterwards. Um, I know of zero people in this community who regret getting sober.
0: Mm, I would agree.
1: I know a lot of people who have regretted nights out, who have regretted drinking too much, who have regretted a night where they drank too much alcohol or took drugs or did something completely reckless because of either of those things. Whereas there is no one that I know of who regrets sobriety. Not for a second, actually. No, I
0: don't. I I wish I'd done it years ago. It's like you were talking about what would happen if you'd done it sooner. I think there's a right time and a right place for everything. Of course. But it is a no-brainer, isn't it? It's an absolute no-brainer. Well, Leah, it has been an absolute pleasure. One of our messages back and forth, you said to me when we were talking about recording this podcast, you said you're in for a treat. And uh, I have to agree. (laughs) It has been an absolute treat. You are a star of Instagram. I've loved following you. It's been oh, absolutely you. brilliant. Your smiling face, and <laughs> you're just so positive. And oh, it's just been wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: It's I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. It's been so lovely to speak to you, and I really appreciate you giving me the time and the platform.
0: So, Leah's Instagram handle is sober south sea squad. You'll find the link in the show notes. And just to remind you that this podcast and all opinions contained within it is simply a positive look at what it means to be sober. It isn't designed to lighten the subject of alcohol abuse, rather show that there is light at the end of the tunnel for anyone considering sobriety. It's for the purpose of inspiration and entertainment and not a replacement for therapy. Alcohol use disorder is a serious subject and so if you're struggling, then please seek the help of a trained professional and don't suffer alone.